Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. So this elder, the Buddha, um, telling us in the meditation, you know, this earth element that you perceive, this hardness or this weight or this smoothness or mass or um, um, roughness, coarseness that you might feel, the earth element, that's how we, uh, we experience it, the earth element. In our meditation, it seems like he's saying, or literally saying, the earth element inside yourself, outside yourself, same thing, earth, nature. Be careful not to appropriate earth. Earth belongs to earth. It's a deep teaching, no? Ah, you're like, it's mine. I'm freaking out about it. <laughs> earth, be, a, be attentive. You'll notice earth belongs to earth. It cannot be appropriated. Not even the earth element in your hands. It's totally belonging to nature, made of nature, not yours. It's there to take care of. It's the same thing with the water element. Water element in your body. Outside, inside, same thing, not yours. It belongs to nature. And if you happen to love nature, then take good care of it. Not uh, owning, identifying, appropriating, more like, uh, what's the term in English? S stewardship, no? Something like this. Taking care, taking care of the earth and water element, inside, outside. Taking care of the... Um, heat or fire element in the body, inside, outside, not yours, not yours, it has its own ways of being, hot, and then cold, and then inside, outside movements of temperature, can you allow it, can you not define yourself by it? And same thing with the air element, air element, alive in the body. I don't know if you have this, but sometimes when I sit, it's not the earth element, it's really the air element that is experienced in the hands, for example. It's a field of tingling. And then at other times, it's really like the kind of weight, weight or lightness, something like this. But sometimes it's more like a field. Even I have this in the, sometimes in the belly, like the field of the belly, the field of the heart or head or... Even the thighs, sometimes the weight appears to me if I don't have a preconceived idea, this is a thigh, you know, but I just notice, it's like, oh, it's more like an 
a field, you know, like a... And so all this dance of the elements and not owning it, that's part of the first foundation. I think we were talking about this last week, if I'm not mistaken. Anybody? Yeah? Remembering who were there? And so because I said I was doing, uh, like in other classes, I'm going around and doing the four foundations of mindfulness, did I present this here? Mm -hmm. So the first foundation, so that's uh, aspects of our experience that we're invited to become particularly aware of, generously, caringly aware of, in real time, live. (gasps) So the first foundation is the senses, the body, the earth, fire, element, there's many ways to, um, to, to, to become aware of this. Yeah, the senses. Wow. Alive. Can you actually own hearing? It's its own thing, no? It ears, hears, and then... They say in the teaching, the hearing of the... I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say the hearing of the bell... The hearing of the bell arises with the bell and ceases with the bell. It's not separated. It's a very different view of the world. We're like, I'm on this side, the bell is on the other side, and I hear the bell, you know? And in the teaching it says, no, they co-arise, they co-depend, they they co-nice, they co-are born codependently they belong to each other they they're part of you know so it's the separation element is not so much there it's a, it co-arise hearing bell depends on bell bell sound depends on hearing they coexist belonging to nature Can you hear the bell now? Ephemeral, belonging to nature, it appeared and disappeared. (gasps) We're going to have to be so attentive to clarify that, that I'm not separate, alone, existential angst. There's a whole universe and I'm there, conscious. (gasps) In that universe, what to do? Maybe it's actually not a problem like that. It's a false, made-up, conceived problem. Maybe there's another way to perceive that it actually they belong together. There's no isolation. There's no separateness, loneliness. This was just a mirage. Not easy to clear, but worth paying attention. So first foundation aspect of experience like the the physicality, the materiality as it's happening. The Buddha was saying, pay really close attention. You'll start to uh, undo your false uh, ideas about it. What was given to you by culture and, you know, superficial attention, you know, everything. Like you'll go a little further, you'll, you'll clarify that. So fear of death, for example, will maybe reduce you know isolation will reduce peace 
will maybe come uh, to the foreground and maybe um, joy or compassion, care, some, some, something vibrant at the heart level. And so this is what we call a practice. Huh? It, needs a, it needs attention. It's not, you can't pay for that. You can't acquire that. How much? <laughs> I want that. That's going to solve everything. Forget the flat screen TV. I want that. It's only on a, t- probably takes a few decades, several decades to clarify. It takes a lot of time. But when you get it, you know, when you get the, the wisdom, whatever depth of it, or when we get it, it's like, wow, so liberating. It seems like it was not so costly. It was definitely worth it. So um, the second foundation, the second area that the body said, you know, it would be really good to pay really close, careful, non-judging, non-coercive, none uh, yeah friendly caring attention to this aspect of life is uh, the aspect and I speak about this often and you might know this really well but still that's the second foundation is the aspect of pleasure and displeasure and neutrality that comes with any uh, any stimulation, any phenomena, any event, inwardly or outwardly, huh? some thoughts or emotions are unpleasant to feel. Some are very pleasant to feel. Uh, some are not pleasant nor unpleasant to feel. And the Buddha says, wow, for inner life, become particularly aware of this at the sense doors when you're tasting something hearing something, notice the fluctuation in the pleasure and displeasure, how it's uh, like the rest of it, evanescent, is that the word? Flickering, uh, unstable, unreliable. Uh, and you'll see, like, you're like, oh, I love being here, and suddenly the mind, okay, enough. <laughs> We've done it, I've listened. <laughs> got the wisdom <laughs> well, let's, let's get something else it was fresh, it was new, I liked it but now it's not fresh anymore I need another hit of fresh I think my phone can provide that <laughs> you know? so see how you you know, for you there's a, the idea of pleasant and newness and how something that is not new seems to become unpleasant at some point, maybe that's one aspect. And so there's a so here as we're sitting, but as we're living our day, instead of being in like what I will be doing later, who I will become, miserable or amazing, or you know how I'm perceived by others, or all kinds of things, pay attention to the fluctuation of pleasure and displeasure, and how your mind plays with it too, because you might be. Uh, waiting for the subway and it's kind of unpleasant subway's not arriving you know this and that and suddenly you get curious a little bit a little bit plugged in, tuned in and then suddenly you realize you're this in this space with human beings and suddenly it's almost pleasant, touching and it's the same space 
subway still hasn't arri- arrived, but the quality is very different because of the quality of the mind. And the tonality on that level changes a little bit. Yeah? Um, often we think that the pleasure, the displeasure, or the neutrality is inherent in the thing, object, thing. This is pleasant. Absolutely, forever, this is how it is. Uh, I have a friend who uh, uh, doesn't have uh, such a great health, I think that's one way to put it, and uh, she will end up, well, at some point in her life anyway, she would end up regularly in the hospital, and she, uh, and often I would go and see her, pick her up, or go and cheer her up, but actually every time I would go there, she would say, oh, I so love being in the hospital. I just love being with other humans that are, you know, like, going through stuff and alive, and there's something extremely reassuring, being with others and with such lovely uh, caregivers, also often, like, uh, a lot of the staff in the hospital are very often... And she would, she would say, like, I don't choose, but, you know, something happens and I end up in the hospital because of this or that. And suddenly, oh, this... And I was always surprised and touched by the, f- the feeling tone for her, what we call the, this pleasure, displeasure, or neutrality. In Buddhist psychology, it's called the feeling tone. The word in Pali is Vedana. Vedana. I don't know if I'm... Maybe I have a, one of my teachers from uh, Carolina, I think he says, Vedana. <laughs> it's like, how's your Vedna? <laughs> I'm not sure it sounds exactly Pali, <laughs> like they would say it in Sanskrit. <laughs> but uh, Vedana, anyway. So the feeling tone. And so for her, the feeling tone, probably not always, probably fluctuating a lot, but there's, anyway, this sense that, oh, hospital is, there's something pleasant about it. When for me, the first association would be a hospital, unpleasant, you know. But hanging out with her, I, I learned to, you know, she transmitted their mind state, you know, and then I would become a little bit more soft-hearted, more tender, and just, wow, I'm in humanity, like, now that's, like, real humanity, not pretend humanity, you know. It's really, we're dependent on each other, we're... We don't have control over things, you know, and it's revealed. Mm-hmm. It can op- open the heart. But so, I was trying just to say here that uh, often human beings, they haven't uh, looked well, felt well, pleasant and unpleasant. So they look for pleasant, they fear unpleasant, and it's a very stressful life because a lot of the planning we do is to avoid unpleasant and want to acquire and we we it's very uh, energy uh, it eats energy a lot it's a stressful way to live so paying attention to pleasure at the sense doors apparently we'll discover that it's uh, it's a little cheap kind of pleasure it's uh, unstable it's fluctuating it's dependent you know on you know the book being good uh, Brownie not being overly cooked or the broccoli or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's very unstable. It's like, oh God, it's the same restaurant. It's this, but tonight too salty. You know, 
or it's the same person, but now they're saying awful things. <laughs> you know? Usually they smell good, they, you know, they're beautiful, and now they're neutral to me, or dollish. Or <laughs> yeah. So it's not inherent in the thing, it's fluctuating. And it's in his uh, teaching, the Buddha talks, uh, so I'm talking about this feeling tone in terms of three feeling tones, no? No? Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Neutral is very important because human beings, they, they apparently, when they're not too wise, they don't relate well to neutral. They kind of miss it, don't notice it, freak out. Uh, there are kinds of weird relationship with the three of them, anyway. With pleasant, they get, ah, precious. With unpleasant, no, wrong, wants to destroy, you know. Can't, it's my fault, it's God's fault. Um, and with neutral, you know, in meditation I see this a lot because in retreat somebody will come and they'll say like, nothing's happening, what am I doing wrong, you know? It's like, actually there's a lot happening, it's rather neutral. But the mind is not able to actually meet it because it wants strong sensations, it wants strong emotions, pleasant ones or unpleasant ones for that matter. You know, anything <coughs> but neutral, you know? And so it's an amazing practice to actually learn to open up to neutrality. I remember a retreat um, last August. There was one woman who had been practicing for years, young woman. And after f it was a 10-day retreat, and after like five days, she was like, oh, I'm doing it, I'm sitting, I'm walking, you know, I'm paying attention. It's boring. <laughs> you know? I'm doing it, I'm showing up, you know. And I think, well, maybe it's actually neutral. You know, she's like, ah, oh my God, it's true. The last times I were on retreat, it was always like working through dramatic stuff, you know, and forgiving, <laughs> and, you know, and which is really important work, you know. But it's true that now it's it's not that, you know. It's true that it's the first time. It's not that epic, you know. And then she went back, and at some point I saw her, like maybe at the end of the retreat or just before, and she was actually crying when she was reporting. She was like. There's a whole new world that I had never visited. I didn't even know, know it existed. I'd like missed it. Like always looking for something to fix, dramatic, or something stimulating, you know. And Pascal, there's a whole field, like I'm going to be grateful forever, you know. This was the Dharma unfolding, suddenly noticing that, you know, hands resting is quite an amazing thing, you know. You know, breathing in and out simply, not like my breath is so like this, so not enough like that, but just regular old breathing. You know, so a whole feel there. So this is divided in three: huh? pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Of course, it's more like a kind of a spectrum. No, some things are extremely pleasant. Some things are just a little pleasant. You know? And it varies. It's alive. But the Buddha divided these three into six. He said there is a pleasantness. That is, that's the terms, the, the way it's transcribed, uh, translated in English is uh, uh, each one of them, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, presented into worldly pleasant unworldly pleasant 
worldly neutral, unworldly neutral, worldly unpleasant, unworldly un, uh, unpleasant. Is that interesting to you? Do you, are you in suspense? More, say more. So he said, like ice cream, for example, if that's something you enjoy, is pleasant. And he was saying, this is worldly pleasant. It depends on where is the sh ice cream shop, you know, or the ice cream truck. <laughs> you know, it's very dependable. And if you actually get a phone call and you have something to fix, when you turn around, it's gone. You know, it's melted. It's on the ground. You know, it's like ah, where is it gone? You know, or you know. So it's. He was saying this is a worldly pleasant. It it really there is a gratification in it, but it's kind of limited and very unstable. There's another pleasantness that has more depth to it. It comes from the inside, the capacity to be present in different situations. That the benevolence, for example, the caring that can be flowing in one's heart when practiced and developed. This is uh, more reliable because it springs from the inside mm. and so it doesn't depend on the outside and it actually can suffuse the whole body, it can suffuse the mind and protect it, actually. Because uh, the worldly pleasure could, if not well handled, not handled with care, careful attention, careful presence. If not well end, it could lead to greed and wanting more and addiction and all this, you know, that kind of gratification. And the other one, uh, he said, not to be feared, not to be feared. And so there's a point on this path, you might know this, the, when he had done really hard, uh, difficult, a uh, lot of difficult uh, practices, thinking that pleasant was to be avoided at all costs. And then he, he remembers at some point, like he's about to die because he's been eating only a grain of rice a day, standing on one leg, sleeping on nails, and just to not have anything pleasant because not good. You know, it creates clinging, it's uh, entangling. And so, but one point he's about to die and he remembers, oh my God, I remember when I was a kid sitting under a tree and my mind got concentrated and calm and uh, and it was it was it was joyful it was beautiful it felt good I don't have to be worried about this I don't have to to fear that I can feel that this is pleasant and helpful And I can, that's fine, I can, I can have access to this, I don't have to let this one go. I can nurture this one, I can uh, invite it and, and feel it, and yeah, cultivate that kind of pleasure, unworldly pleasure, of the mind gathered instead of scattered, of the mind non-reactive instead of reactive, impatient, and opinionated. Like I can let go of all these qualities of mind and find some ease, it's going to be beneficial for me and for others. Never not good. I can cultivate this. That kind of pleasure has depth to it. It's liberating, onward leading. Same thing with the neutral. There's some neutrality that comes from things being bland. Bland? Beige. You know? But there's another neutrality of the mind that is extremely stable. 
that can feel maybe some things that are unpleasant, very difficult, but with courage, with heart, with uh, curiosity, with calm. So the neutrality is vibrant, but it comes from the inside. It's, the nu- it's not a true neutrality that is flat. It's a neutrality of the this wise mind or heart. And that neutrality has a lot of value. You know? Much more than the neutrality that I might have in some tastes sometimes. You know? That's a very different kind of neutrality, do you see? And in terms of unpleasantness, he said, oh, when you, know, when you knock your toes, this is unpleasant, clear and unpleasant. That's worldly unpleasant. It's part of the deal. It's going to come. You know, all kinds of unpleasantness. But there's one particular kind of pleasantness that actually has a lot of value. Let's say I'm about to do something that is uh, unethical, that would be harmful to others or deceiving. There might be an unpleasantness that will come in my heart or body, like, oh my God, if I was caught or seen doing this or seeing that, or how will I feel if I do that after you know, he was saying, for example, that kind of unpleasantness is really unworld leading. Unward leading. If you don't feel fall into guilt, then that's something else. It's going to be unpleasant and miserable and not helpful. But if you can feel actually, or having done something harmful that you haven't noticed, but you're told, or you know, or you get a little space, and then suddenly you're like, oh my god, I said that. If again, if you don't fall into guilt and self-hatred and make it uh, define yourself by it, but the kind of heat that one would feel or shame, spiritual shame, we call it. He says these these are guardians of the world. It's a good thing when you feel this, like when your little voice is maybe not saying but feeling, producing heat. For example, like don't don't. <laughs> Don't, don't, no, put this down, put this down, don't pick this up. <laughs> Sylvia Borstein, like you're about to think about, like, really go there, like, in some downward spiral. You know. Or, you know, something like this. Sometimes it's before, sometimes it's in the middle of, sometimes it's after. But that feeling, actually, don't shy away from that. Allow it to be felt. It's a really hard practice to feel it cleanly without attaching, you know, making a thing out of it, but to say like, wow, that was not helpful. You know, oh, here's a place where I abandoned myself or the other, you know. Wow, didn't respect the integrity, didn't listen well. Oh, la, la, la. That beautiful feeling. We were on retreat uh, this weekend, some of us, and... um, and uh, there was one woman who, uh, who uh, described this really well. It was very beautiful. So during the weekend of practicing like we're doing here, she became uh, more and more sensitive, you know, and kind of tuned in and uh, maybe feeling more intimacy with the world, with nature, you know, with time, just sitting in the hall and feeling and self, what is it to be a human being? You know, and she got sensitive. And she was reporting, she was saying, I, I suddenly, like I was, it was so beautiful, like I was in touch, you know, t- in touch, away, alive, open somehow. And suddenly there was this big wave of grief, you know. <gasps> for so long I have not been in touch. You know, for so long I've been 
busy or closed or habitual or in opinions or preferences and like I've been so disconnected for so long I'm really really sad and I was thinking this is a beautiful sadness you don't want to make it like a case something like oh I, my life I've ruined my life you know but just feel it allow this this is the feedback loop it's open so of course you know the ways of living habitual ways of living you'll feel now the impact <gasps> wow I prevented myself from from being alive, you know. And maybe all the conditions were right to do that. Like everything, this is how it happened, you know. But it's good that you feel this. It's not pleasant, but it's actually a good feeling because you're actually it's your values that are changing. You're saying, "Oh my God, I valued maybe being busy, and now suddenly I'm valuing something else." And so there's an echo. And so that unpleasantness, it can be allowed. That's the opening of the heart. That's the, the compassion. That's the clarity for me. Do you, do you see this? Do you follow that? And so there's a lot in there, no? In that f- second foundation of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, worldly, pleasant, unworldly, pleasant, worldly, neutral, unworldly, neutral worldly uh. so for me one of my observation you'll see if uh, it's true for you but for me uh, if we take uh, worldly pleasures things that feel good taste good we like hearing things like this I've noticed that they can actually become unworldly or unward leading liberating if they're met with great care because if they are, then they reveal their uh, ephemeral nature. Like, if I'm really a- attentive, meeting with friends one evening, it's beautiful, we get along well, and then if I'm really attentive, I'll notice, wow, it's finishing. It appeared, and now it's disappearing. And can that be okay? So I'll be preparing for other things beautiful in my life and cherish to actually go away because they will. That's what things do. You know? Anything that appears will disappear. It's part of it. Anything that has the capacity to appear in your life, to come together, will dismantle, disappear. And so paying attention to that, oh, look at that, it appeared. I felt it. I felt the gratification of it, the beauty of it, the, you know, the, absolute beauty of it and I did that with um, equilibrium with balance being able to let it arise and let it dissolve also (gasps) wow I have um, a teacher that uh, when I started teaching maybe I'll finish with that and we'll sit a little bit or chat together when I started teaching uh, uh, it was my first kind of exposures to um, uh, something that happened in the role of a teacher. I think sometimes it might happen is a projection. So people would say, like, oh, Pascal, you're so wise and you're so incredible. And I would say, no, 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 I'm just another practitioner. I'm just another, I'm like you. I'm just sitting here now, but I'm like you. I'm practicing. I'm a mess. You know? <laughs> and uh, my teacher, Jack Cornfield, 
said, Pascal, I don't want you to do this. It's not okay that you break this down. You know, like it's actually a really good pedagogical tool. You know, people actually, they put their gold into you. They can't hold their own gold. So they say, oh, Pascal, you're perfect or you're so wise or so. It's like he was saying, your job is to humbly take this and say, I'm going to carry your gold. And one day you'll see, they'll come back and they'll say, well, I thought you were wiser than that. You know, I'll take back my gold. <laughs> you know? It's like, and then you'll, you'll have to actually give back the gold, you know, because you see some teachers sometimes like, no, 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 I'm, I'm great. I'm amazing. <laughs> you know, they, I want to keep the gold, you know. And, it's, and you were saying, so you actually have to learn to take the gold, you know, and carry it really, really carefully for people so they can project for a while and then start to say, I'm wise too. I'm kind too. I have, can I have clarity of mind too, you know. Not only him. <laughs> and actually, I've seen this with my own teachers, where I would project some kind of perfection. I was not totally aware of it, but I just thought they were really amazing. You know, suddenly I saw, oh, this one is conflict avoidant. You know, this one has a little ego going on, you know, here and there. <laughs> you know? And then I would have to say, okay, so I have to, you know, carry my own integrity. I have to carry my own humility and, you know, take care of my own egocentricity or my own avoidance of conflict or my own capacity to meet conflict wisely, you know. And so, uh, and so there was, um, yeah, the arising of something and the passing of uh, something, you know. So somebody, I don't know how I came up with this, but I think that's interesting anyway. <laughs> In the story there. <laughs> So um, I wonder if as a parent there's something like this that might be happening. You know? I think at uh, uh, teen, teen years, some teenagers, you know, suddenly they're like, hold on, you're not God. In <laughs> what was I perceiving? You're actually absolutely boring. <laughs> Interesting, I don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> my dad, <laughs> my mom. So um, letting gracefully things appear and disappear. Same thing with the unpleasant. You know. To actually allow the unpleasant to arise when it does, inwardly, relationally, circumstantially, to have that grace. That's what we call a practice. Huh? To say, okay, unpleasant arising. Ooh, hot, not wanted. Can it be okay? Can it be experienced clearly, cleanly, without adding, you know, to the mess? Instead, contributing to the release of the struggle. Any comments, questions, nuances? That's the second foundation. So first foundation is everything that is of the material world, sense world. Second foundation is everything that has to do with that tonality of pleasure, displeasure, becoming sensitive to it. And in the other weeks, we'll see uh, the third and fourth foundation. Good stuff, no? Yes? It's interesting when you describe unpleasant um, experiences or sensations that there's still an element of the pleasantness that is that arises through insight. 
So when we're describing an unpleasant experience, an unpleasant feeling, if you sit with that long enough, there's the wisdom that arises from an unpleasant experience is pleasurable to some extent. Yeah. So it's like the full loop of yeah. pleasant, neutral, unpleasant. They're not so. No, they're not. It's very alive and conditional, Mm -hmm. you know. There might be something unpleasant that appears unpleasant there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is for you. And then later when you review it, you're like, oh, actually, I'm really happy it happened. Not thinking about it is pleasant. You know, I'm happy that I, you know, something. It's a different relationship. So it's not (coughs) in the thing. It's it's changing. There's a very... Yeah, yeah, please. So there's just something... There's, there could be a tendency to sit with an unpleasurable experience almost from like a spiritual bypassing perspective too though or something rather than experiencing something as truly unpleasant physical or emotional yeah. there could be a tendency to be like oh it's pleasurable though and, you know so yeah. it's a little game we can play with ourselves there yeah. that we need to be aware of as well you're right and yeah. I think it ties into a little bit to intention of awareness not just even physically. Like I always think of intention as more physically body-based, but your intention to be aware to a pleasurable, unneutral, or unpleasurable experience. And to be honest, yeah, maybe. Yeah, to be yeah. authentic to the experience. Because yeah. there is uh, spiritual bypassing, and it's probably very much based in the uh, feeling tone. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, when somebody, I talked with somebody, and they said, you know, they, were, they watched a little video on spiritual bypassing, and it they said, oh my God, that's 12 years of my life. You know? <laughs> We're all one, it's all good. How do you feel? I feel great, it's so beautiful. We're all together. I'm actually a mess, but I'm not willing to go there. You know, like, and it makes sense also. You know, like when I see this, I'm like, it makes sense because it's painful to actually feel mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, that level of honesty is gained maybe slowly or with the right teachings, you know. Because yeah. if you end up in the so-called spiritual um, scene, you know, it might be extremely deluded. You right. know, like, we're all good, it's all one, you know. Mm-hmm. No, there's no sexism, racism, mm-hmm. there's no, uh, we're all one, there's no, uh, you know. Yeah. And uh, for a teacher, it's really hard to teach on the long retreat. Sometimes I would uh, meet people mm-hmm. who've done a lot of non-dual stuff, and they would be, uh, you know, Adyashanti, they would be following Adyashanti, for example, who has beautiful teaching, but it was not the real version. They would just, they would come and say, so how's your practice? You know, you've been here for two weeks in silence. It must be hard sometimes. No, it's all open. It doesn't count, you know. Yeah, but you seemed a little oppressed or shut down, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's doesn't count (laughs) it actually counts because you're Mm -hmm. miserable it's suffering it's hard Mm -hmm. and compassion arises only when you're able to hold the difficult Mm -hmm. you know otherwise it's bypassing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you I'm a little confused when we sit and meditate we're not supposed to change we're just supposed to experience but then your friend goes to the hospital, and I'm sure her first experience wasn't, wow, I'm in a hospital, but she chose to experience it that way. I don't know. We would have to ask, ask her, but my sense is she was not choosing. She was touched. She was literally touched by humanity, by people being sick and needing, needing help. You know, she was not... Uh, so when... 
It, it, we're not at that stage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap, I'm in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> are we supposed to stay with the old crap, or are we yeah. supposed to look at, as you were saying, the other side that comes along with being in the hospital? Like, I have a chance to get healed, I have a chance to get out, because yeah. there's not just the old crap I'm in hospital. So, yeah, so in the moment to moment, yeah, we're not supposed to, you do your research and see what works, you know, that's really what mindfulness is, is you say, like, let me try to pretend it's great, does that work really well, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or let me acknowledge that it sucks, and maybe look for something that I can appreciate, and say, oh, that works, but that's not the only way, the way for me to work would be like, I feel miserable, it aches, can I actually feel that the pain of the body and the pain of the heart? Because for me, what I know is that that's the door to compassion. That if I allow myself to feel the difficulty of you know, not wanting to be somewhere where I am or the difficulty of having pain in the belly, then I'm going to actually meet that difficulty and it's going to be my chance to develop compassion. Like, wow, it's hard, Pascal, for you to be here. It's hard to be in this body that is aching. It's hard to be in this soul that would like to be somewhere else than there. And and so I'm not trying to look for something beautiful. I'm actually attending to what is difficult. So that's another way. So many ways. It's not an easy journey. It's not an easy journey. And the, the basic rule is pay attention. That's what I seem to understand is pay attention you'll notice how you're holding things you know that are difficult and how you may be adding multiplying so something difficult multiplied by reactivity you know I don't want it mm-hmm. makes it even more painful yeah something uh, we could say something unpleasant is divided by the capacity to meet it with care so Anyway, let's see if that's true in experience. Julie, you had something? I was just thinking of the word preference. <coughs> that's the word that Daryl uses all the time. It's hot, it's cold, which is my preference. And my preference really should have a hot and cold experience in both. Yeah, there's many. I, I mean, for me, the teaching is mostly leading, inviting inquiry and exploration. So what does make sense to you? So for me, I can notice that sometimes when I have preference, it's a form of clinging. So I would really prefer that you wouldn't do that right now, (laughs) you know? So it's not, you know, as clinging to it. It's charged and it's opinionated. Yeah, something like this. And sometimes I could say like, wow, actually this is not my preference, you know, but this is how it's going right now. So let me actually meet this truly, what is happening, you know? So my preference is not at the center, it's acknowledged, you know, but it's not, I'm not clinging to it, you know. And so there's many levels, maybe there's pleasant, unpleasant, there's preferring, preferring, that you can see active in the mind, I would prefer, I prefer that, but now I'm seeing this, that is not beautiful, but I prefer to see beauty, you know. And, uh, and sometimes there is, it's not, it's beyond preference, it's clinging, you know, I want this, now I need, if it's not here now, you know, um, can't possibly be free, or you know. So there's different uh, gradation, maybe, of that. 
Um, <clears throat> I read this, um, yeah, I think I read it, this uh, parable, uh, I think a teaching story about a, um, a teacher who has his student bring some salt and some water and then put the salt in the water and then drink it and then has him and it tastes bitter or salty or whatever and then take the salt down to a big lake and then put the salt in the lake and then taste the lake and of course it doesn't taste that yeah. bitter. And um, sometimes when I am um, sitting with discomfort, it's very uh, unpleasant, like deeply unpleasant and difficult. Concentrated unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe there's not enough equanimity to just sit with. Yeah. But then, and I can see the spiritual bypassing aspect of non-duality. But I guess I wonder, do you, have you played at all with uh, like non-dual practices as a way of creating more space so there's... Like, just for some reason, as I was about to ask this question, there was all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. For some reason, there's nervousness here. But, uh, and sometimes that, that or something more unpleasant than that can be hard for me to just sort of um, sit with. But then sometimes in the little experimenting I've done with non-dual practices, it can create a larger container of space. So there's this feeling of yeah. nervousness or whatever. But now if there's expansion, spaciousness, and it's like, okay, this is just like, there is this being here. But yeah. somehow, if um, um, you know, uh, I don't know, awareness is expansive, yeah. then within that expansiveness, this is yeah. Something. Yeah. Have you played with that at all? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in the teaching. Like when I say, for example, things are not personal, you know, like so there might be, um, uh, let's say, there's anxiety, you know, but. but uh, I can recognize that it's not my anxiety, it's, it's nature, it belongs to nature. So for me, that's one way to become non-dual. So it's not me and not me, and it's, it's, it's nature. It's not seen in a dual way. Is it mine or not mine? It's, it's nature. So that's expensive for me a little bit. And so, so if I feel it like this, if I perceive it like this, then it's helpful. But if I pretend, because I know I've read the words, you know, but I don't feel it, but I, I say it. I say, oh, it's all it's all same thing. It's all empty phenomena rolling on. That's an, an expression no, of, the, of the wisdom. It's all empty stuff, appearing and disappearing. And you might, you know, if you say that, then you're actually suffering, you know. So you have to see for yourself, is that your, are, are you bringing a skillful mean, a way to actually be able to hold it are you pretending and maybe the line is not that clear you know and it's it's worth paying attention as you're suggesting stay honest you know and yeah so um, I know for me that uh, acknowledging difficulty and feeling it allows me to become more caring more humble you know and so that's what I tend to go for. It's like, wow, this is hard. Can that be known with balance? With, you know. But as you say, sometimes there's not. You know, the body, mind is reactive. It's not an easy path. We're not, you know. Maybe sometimes when it's presented, it's like this is like this, 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 and voila. You know. <laughs> In practice, it's a little bit more confusing than that. Often, can that be okay? You know. And we continue the exploration and then it gets clarified you know slowly progressively mm. yeah and i'm not m meaning to put down non-dual teachings they're they're magnificent teachings and the teachers are uh, magnificent i just see sometimes how they can be used but anything can be used like this i've 
talking a couple of years ago to somebody who was saying like ah, for so many years I used mindfulness you know like as in the wrong direction you know I would I would just sit there and be kind of like not allowed to feel anything and be mindful and benevolent you know I was angry you know and I had a lot of emotions I was just repeating my family pattern you know at the table we wouldn't say anything everybody would be like this and then I started practicing like this I would sit you know and you know and uh, and now you know like I I misused it but I didn't know you know it took it some time to discover that actually I needed to feel the anger I needed to shout a little bit maybe or you know put my feet down or head down or whatever the expression is you know? and so I was I, I was not using the practice well so it's very tricky it's not uh, it's not yeah there's a lot of traps like everywhere in life you know? I'm not sure I want to say this or that or not but I'm, I'm really confused but I'm thinking some days you would perceive something as unpleasant even a thought, your own thought, or on another day, if you're in a different mind state, it's not so unpleasant. So is this the difference between worldly and unworldly? Or no, you can... You yeah, I know. So it, so this... Uh, can it be okay that it's confusing a little bit? So that's the immediate practice. Is Okay, I'm a little confused. Can that be okay? That's For me, that would be the first step. Because sometimes when we're confused, we're feeling like, I, I can't be confused. I can't be confused. So, so that's the first step there. Maybe you're really well with that. And uh, then you'll, it'll need exploration, you know. So it's a new presentation of the world, you know. And so it will need a little exploration to see. But what I'm hearing you say, no, I wouldn't put it in worldly and on. Maybe it is. Maybe it's the state of the mind. Maybe the mind is a little bit more tired, reactive, so a certain idea is unbearable, you know. And uh, at another time, the mind is a little bit more open, relaxed, you know. So, okay, Friday night, you know, we have to go there, we will, you know, we'll survive. It's not so that it's unpleasant to think of, you know. Hard to tell whether it's coming from the outside or the inside. Maybe at some point it's, it's not so hard. Maybe one can recognize, like, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I had good sleep, you know, I ate well, the day went well, so I'm, I have more confidence, you know, so I can... I don't know. It's going to require, a, a, you know, attentive care to notice. And maybe that division in six doesn't work for you right now. You know, like it's it's just one other presentation. For me, it works. It uh, I can recognize something. But I've been working with the three, the group of three for years. You know, and so now the it's exciting to divide it. I mean, it's not now. It's been years, but actually divided by two and find six versions you know? but there's other ways to practice where we don't get so like that okay so I'd suggest we take just a moment to allow what is there to be there whatever that is and see just how it's going to arise in our life you know later maybe some pieces of what was said will be dropped and forgotten Others will be with us. But just now, there's a, the first foundation, the body sitting here, breathing. And 
maybe there is a general feeling tone of pleasantness or neutrality or unpleasantness. Maybe it just depends on where we put the attention. Maybe we can find unpleasantness somewhere in the body and neutrality somewhere else. So the Buddha invited us to just see it as it is, as it appears right now. If we can't tell it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral it's probably because it's neutral One way that I understand all this, if I boil it down, is the way I encounter things, the way I take care of things is more important than things themselves, maybe. Maybe that's true often, and I don't realize that. The way I take care of what's happening, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, is more important than the tone itself. So listen to the bell and see how it's received spontaneously as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, the sound of the bell. to survive unpleasant. Huh? <laughs> you can see the preference and reactivity like co-arise, you know? It's not just, oh, unpleasant. It's like, why? Why? The Buddha was saying this, a lot of our opinions are based on that aspect of feeling tone. You know? Why do you do that? Why? You know, you shouldn't do that, you know? What's at the bottom line, the bottom of that? Oh, it's unpleasant. Unpleasant. So try this if you want this week at some point to recognize the tonality of something and just say, oh, this is unpleasant. Uh, uh, Joseph, who is coming this weekend, no, my teacher is coming to town, maybe you're going to be there Friday night, Saturday, all day. He often says that as a mental note, oh, just unpleasant, just unpleasant. For me, the next sentence, can that be okay? Can that be okay? Like, no! Oh, okay, yeah, it can be okay. It's unpleasant, it's an unpleasant sensation an unpleasant thought, an unpleasant emotion, an unpleasant things said. Can that be okay? So please, um, have a pleasant week. (laughs) 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 And as you go out, thank you again. You'll see the two boxes to support the the, the, the teacher and the... the, 
and the center here who's offering the welcoming us very generously. Okay, thank you for considering this. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.